Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. What's happening, everybody? This is the official Lakers podcast. I'm your host, Mike Trudell. Super pumped to be here, flanked by Aaron Larsoul. You ready to go? I'm ready to go. Let's, Let's get, get it. it. I think the Lakers will be a top 10 defense. Okay, now. you're calling your shot again. A team that has two stars or two superstars in this case, as LeBron and AD, can sometimes cancel each other out. But I think they're both good candidates for MVP. I really like the way that this team just feels to be around. Mm-hmm. The, the uh, it's a it's a very clear message. It's two stars and LeBron and AD, and it's everybody else that's on board. The relationship that is developing between those two, off the court and on the court, their cohesiveness on the court. I think in this case, this is a special case that the two of them will enhance each other as opposed to taking away from each other. Be sure to rate, subscribe, and leave a review. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Five-hour energy helps you get through your crazy on-the-go life. And now it comes in two great tropical flavors, strawberry banana and tropical burst. They're delicious and can transport you to a tropical paradise. Try them both, then vote for your favorite at 5hewin.com. You could be on the go to someplace you actually want to go. Offer ends 731.20. Terms apply. See www.5hewin.com for details. Broadcasting from the Mercedes Man Cave. If you were sleeping with me in my bed, you yeah. would be pretty happy too. Yeah. This is Dan Patrick. Hour two on this Wednesday, Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. I just got a squall alert on my phone. A snow squall. What does that mean? Like it high winds and and sideways snow? Yeah, Paul. We got this about two weeks ago in the yeah. tri state uh, New England area. And it was just a basically a, a huge snowstorm that hit rapidly and stopped rapidly. And it was whiteout conditions. We got it about two weeks ago. What constitutes a squall? Hmm. Checking. Okay. A sudden intense storm. Huh. McLovin, <laughs> look at that. I got caught in that squall, by the way, two weeks ago. I was in a car, and it came fast and furious. It's the wind, right, that's different. Well, doesn't yeah? The wind comes in pretty hard and then brings the snow with it. So instead of snow just falling kind of harmlessly, it's kind of it. it uh, it's a whiteout. Yes. By the way, shout out to our great station in Anchorage, the Sports Squall. <laughs> <laughs> they play a lot of squall and oats. Oh, okay. A squall nice. is a sudden, violent gust of wind or a localized storm, one bringing rain, snow, or sleet. Okay. okay, so you can have a rain squall. None of that stopping the Postal Service, by the way. They run right through yeah. the whole thing. Boom. Shut What's out. the worst weather you ever delivered mail in? Uh, probably rain. Rain or snow. I don't know. There were like blizzards and stuff. That kind of stunk. Did you bring dog treats with you? Heck yeah. yeah. Every day, you load it up with them. And then as soon as the dog started barking, you just throw a couple biscuits over them. Before long, they stop barking. Yeah, Paul. How'd you keep your cigarettes lit in the rain when you're delivering? <laughs> it was tough. Yeah. But you know what? Those uh, hoods, they had, they're had they pretty wide berths. So you just neck a couple heaters in the uh, that little box truck. <laughs> I saw this quote from Roy Williams. Roy Williams, of course, the great uh, Hall of Fame coach in North Carolina. And I, I, I actually thought of the Danettes here. And, but follow me on this because he had a, uh, a comment <laughs> 
on uh, his North Carolina basketball team this year. He called his North Carolina team the least gifted I've ever coached. Now, the reason why I thought of this is, you know, this isn't a compliment, obviously, but when we had a former member of management who said you guys were solid and improving. And so when I saw this, I, like I thought Roy Williams, like what else was he going to say? If he didn't say this is the least gifted team I've ever coached, I could he have said they're, you know, they're solid and improving. Because I, when management said that to me, and I, I, it was hard to stand up for management when they called you guys solid and improving. But I, I said, focus on the solid part of it or the improving part of it. Yeah, Paul. Isn't Roy Williams indicting himself and his recruiting staff? Because he chose the talent that's on the team. Could be. To some level. Yeah. Yes, McLeod. As compared to you, who just stuck with us oh, four no. dudes. <laughs> no, no, no. That's when I was, I was disappointed in management when they said that. Because I'm like, solid and improving. You know, it's, it's better than not so shaky and getting worse. No, I, as I said before, you guys aren't the best at your jobs. You're the best at your job for this show. Like it works with what you do and how you do it. Um, it's like Springsteen's band. I don't think they're all the best musicians, but in that band, they make the band great. And I'm not the best at what I do. So, but when we do it together, then it works somehow, some way. Now, if Roy Williams said that, his yes. team would probably be happy today. <laughs> Instead, they're all going to transfer to NC State. <laughs> no, they're not that down to oh, the dumps. No. Oh, no. Yes, Seton O'Connor. Just want to point out, E Street Band Hall of Famers. Yes, and so are we. Throwing that out there. Yeah. The, <laughs> the band is a Hall of Fame. Yeah. Not individually. No. Yes. But it... Is that the squall alert? Squall alert. Squall alert. Okay, who wants to go outside... I got the Paul, alert. All right, go out there. Snow squall warning till 10.45 a.m. Sudden whiteouts, icy roads. Slow down, please. By the way, we just got a five-minute heads up, Paul, from you. You would have been, you would be five minutes later. Then my phone ran off five minutes ago. That's my, not fair. My phone's not soft. My phone doesn't care about the squall. Oh, <laughs> uh, they know that I drive a Prius and you have a... I got snow tires. <laughs> yeah, snow Paulie, tires. Paulie's got that super Doppler radar on his phone there. Yeah, yeah. I'll check the weather. Yeah. Go out and, go out and check the squall. The winter squall here. <laughs> the sports squall. <laughs> it's like radio, they finally run out of radio station names. That's the sports squall. There's Polly going outside, opening the door, and they... awfully bright out there. <laughs> it's sunny. <laughs> that doesn't look. That's what happened first. to me in the squall the other day. It was perfectly sunny. Then boom, it hit like it hit like a squall. Okay. Any second now, this it could hit come. Like a squall. Oh, Paulie's lucky to be alive after what it looked like out there. How's Brightly he going to get the door bright. closed? Oh, my gosh. Man, are you okay? Eat it, Jim Cantori. <laughs> yeah. I just went in the mouth of the lion. It Holy looked like, cow. It looked like a kitten. It's, it's like 40 degrees and completely calm. There's not even a hint of wind. Maybe we're in the eye of the hurricane right now. We don't even know it. <laughs> it's cooling off. Yeah, Jim Cantori could eat it. All right. Uh, welcome to the program already in progress, as you can tell. I don't know. Would you be bothered by this if you're the Carolina Panthers owner that Matt Rule reportedly called the Giants before taking the Panthers, John? So the Giants thought they were getting Matt Rule. And Matt Rule got everything he wanted from Carolina and then reached out to the Giants. The Giants told Matt Rule that they still wanted him to come in for an interview, also informed him of another candidate was seriously in the running for the head coaching job. 
And at that point, Rule was compelled to take the offer from the Panthers and their owner, David Tepper. It's reportedly seven years worth up to $70 million. Cleveland Browns still looking for a head coach and a GM, but it looks like they're going to hire the coach before the GM. And what are we talking about here? Josh McDaniels with the Patriots or Kevin Stefanski? Is that right, McLevin? Sounds like it. Uh, Boots is, by the way, the same as like, the, it's like a Pat Shermer hire. Kevin Stefanski, an anonymous offensive coordinator. Stefanski is a, a OC for the Vikings. Yeah. He's a quarterback coach under Shermer. Yeah. But it's funny because Stefanski's really tight with Pat Shermer and Brad Childress, both of whom were, I think, fired by the Browns in recent years. So the Browns are churning through a lot of dudes. How many coaches have the Browns had under this ownership, the Haslam's? Have they had like nine head coaches here? Yeah, Paul. Kitchens, uh, Hugh Jackson, Mike Pettin, Chudzinski, Shermer, Mangini, Cronell. That's about it. That's from 2005 on. Okay. They stuck with Cronell for a few years. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah. Yeah, McLovin. So the guy there, Paul DePodessa, the Jonah Hill character in Moneyball, who's kind of running the show, he wanted Stefanski last year, and he wanted McDermott, right? So he's he's supposed to be the... The brains behind that. They should have listened to because either yeah. one of those would have been obviously a better hire than Freddie Kitchens. Yeah, I mean, and then there's reports like Mary, you know, that a lot of people there like McDaniel's. The reports are between those guys, which means it'll probably be someone completely different. But, but then this this is what happens when when you have a situation like this where they like two candidates, and th- this happened last year uh, with Stefanski. So you had this, you know, this analytics genius. And uh, Paul D. Podestos, who says, you know, I want Stefanski. And then they, I think ownership came in and said, we're going to promote Freddie Kitchens. That might be the same situation you have here is you have a guy who says, this is the guy we want. You didn't listen to me last time. Listen to me this time. Will they? And maybe ownership comes in and says, we want, you know, maybe a shinier object here in Josh McDaniels. Yeah, McLeod. There are a lot of uh, coaching stories talk about analytics and that the coach has to be open to analytics in his interview. Do you, do you think this is a big part of this hiring process? Who will accept analytics? Or? Well, it's one thing to accept it. It felt like Mike McCarthy, and I'm not, I don't want to use the word desperate, but I think he realized if I'm going to get back in, I think I got to be a little bit more welcoming with analytics. And to what degree, I don't know. Because Ron Rivera strikes me as a guy who's not into analytics. I don't know how much Belichick's into analytics or Josh McDaniels is into analytics, but it feels like, you know, that you you better be in before you're left behind. And we're looking at analytics in basketball and the role that analytics plays there, the analytics in baseball. Uh, So it's happening with the NFL. It should happen with the NFL. The question is, how much of the analytics do you buy into and say that's that's what's going to guide us, you know, in, in dark times. Yeah, McLevin. Uh, the Ravens are supposed to be a huge analytics team, like at the forefront, and that's why they, they found Lamar Jackson yeah. to some extent. Yeah, Paul. One thing I don't understand about analytics in the NFL, I guess same as baseball, if a certain team, let's say the Browns have analytics of what they should do on third down, wouldn't the team uh, that they're facing have the exact same analytics about the Browns? on what they should do on third down? If you have a good analytics department. You'd think they would cancel each other out. Like the odds are, let's say the Browns analytics tell them that never do anything but quarterback sneak on fourth and one because the analytics say everything else is bad. Now the other team should know that 
that's all they're going to do and can load up. But we all we only hear about offensive numbers when it comes to <laughs> analytics. It's it's rare. I think you I think you find defensive analytics in baseball, but you find offensive numbers for basketball with analytics and with football. It seems like it's offensive minded. Yeah, Todd. You also have to have the players to pull it off. It's one thing to say that it says you should go for it on fourth and two, but it's not that simple. Maybe you don't have the players that can get it on fourth and two like some other teams. You can't just punch it into a computer. There's like so many other things involved in the stats of it. Yes, uh, Seton. My favorite part is is bad stats. Like tackles are a bad stat. Like, no, yeah, but you can't go by tackles. According to McLovin. No, I, more, I love that. That's the best. The more tackles you have, it means the other team has the ball more. You have more offensive stats. So if you have 100 tackles, that means the other team got every first down and you kept tackling. It doesn't say if it's a one-yard tackle or an eight-yard tackle. So it's a terrible stat. You know what? I, I'm going to guess the Buffalo Bills would like to have one more tackle than they had <laughs> in that game against the Texans. Well, that would have been a sack. <laughs> well, Still, you have to tackle somebody to sack them. Right, yes. but it's a cumulative number. The bad teams and the, have the bit most tackles. Yes. But doesn't it mean that your offense stinks? So that your, your offense is keeping the defense on the field more? Like, it doesn't it yeah. kind of work both ways? A, yeah. a team with a lot of tackles, their defense has a lot of tackles, means they actually have a bad offense, not a bad defense. McLovin? Well, it could, but if your defense is bad, too, and you keep on lining up first downs, like, if, if your guy gets a first down, like... What, if, what came first? Yeah. The team that has all the tackles or the team that has a bad offense? Well, it could be either. It could, whatever, whatever reason, usually time of possession, but bad defense will definitely lead to a lot of tackles. Yes, the other team will never get off the field. Okay, how about this stat? Leading the league in passing yardage. Is that a quality stat? Well, I think it used to be that that meant you were behind, so you threw the ball more. Now it feels like if you're throwing the ball, then you're, you're kind of dictating the flow of the game. Yeah, Paul. Can you guess who led the NFL in passing yardage this year? Jameis Winston Jam- and my Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Jameis Winston had 5,100 yards. Hell yes. 2,500 to one team, 2,500 to another. <laughs> Paul, no yes, offense. Yes, Seaton. But if you have a lot of tackles <laughs> on your team, wouldn't it? You, you would have, if the, the team would, you would be tackling less, actually. If you had a bad defense, you would be tackling people less. That's why your defense is bad. So people would be going down the field and scoring more because you can't tackle anybody. That's why your defense your defense is bad because you can't tackle anyone. Okay, McLovin, would you? <laughs> Damn, my head exploded there. So you have the eighty five Bears. They no, 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 yeah. no, no. You have a great defense. The other offense gets three snaps. You have the Cincinnati Bengals, the worst defense in history. The other team per drive gets fourteen plays. The Saints would go like fourteen plays. So the bad defense is let 14 plays a drive. The good defense is So a lot of plays. tackles is bad. Yeah, you don't want a lot of tackles. Okay. Give me the defensive analytics that, that are important. Well, it's all efficiency. Like how, how, much are you, how much are you shutting down the other offense? Like how quickly are you getting them off the field? Are so you... third down conversion. Now that has become, according to our, you know who Warren Sharp is? Like the four, right? Apparently third down is the most overrated stat. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> because it doesn't tell you what the team did on first and second down. So third and one, if you have a lot of third downs, you're already in trouble because you have to get the first down on first and second. And so a lot of teams... Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, wait, wait. so third that, down that, is that a didn't, very... That didn't clear anything up for me. Third down is a, almost a useless third, stat in tone. Third down conversion, though. Right, but do you know if you're facing a lot of third and eights or a lot of third and one? It doesn't matter. Did you convert? It does matter because a third and eight is way harder to convert. But, so... But but if if you don't convert, then the drive ends. 
Right, it does, but it's just a it's a it's a deceiving stat. It doesn't tell you much because apolog- you don't know what they did on first and second. I'd like to apologize to the audience. I cannot give you those last I'll five show minutes you, back. I'll show you five articles from five thirty eight explaining all this. The uh, Nate Silver site. It's it's much more complicated than we're making. Okay. It. I just don't know what is the right stat anymore. Red zone efficiency. Final score. <laughs> Final score is really important, I think. Uh, Tom Brady had a lengthy Instagram this morning that actually uh, nearly blindsided this show. Uh, Tom saying that he, uh, I guess after a, a lengthy sort of exit thank you, is saying that he is coming back. But with the Patriots, it appears with the Patriots. This feels like this is shots fired. Like, I'm going to put it out there, fan base. I, this is on Bill Belichick. I want to be there. I, I, want to, I, want, I want to be your quarterback. I want to continue to play. We're going to get better, and we're going to get healthier, and I'm going to lead you to the promised land again. This is, uh, I'm, I'm going to volley across to Belichick. It's Brady playing doubles against Belichick and Kraft right now. Brady's singular against those two. Yes, for It's two. like what we were saying the other day. He's laying the groundwork so he doesn't look like the bad guy. It's like, hey, I was all in on wanting to be back here. It's all their fault. Talk to the coach and the owner. I was ready for another season with New England. What do you want from me? It I makes total sense here. He says that he knows he still has more to prove. No, he doesn't. Jared Goff has a little more to prove. You know, someone like that. There's a, Baker Mayfield has a lot more to prove. Tom Brady doesn't have anything else to prove. Yes, it could be this uh, awesome chess match that you guys are describing yeah. right now between Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, which yeah. is like really, really great. Or couldn't he just be trying to end all the speculation and be like, "Yeah, I'm back"? But it's not his decision. Like, I I assume he wants to come back. I think in in his mind he might be saying, "I'm going to say this, even though I know that I'm not going to be back." But I want to. I want these fans to know. Like, he's thanking you for the last 20 years. <laughs> Why am I thanking you for 20 years? No. It, that that doesn't, doesn't make sense, I think, with, hey, thank you for the 20 years where you supported me, and I'm planning on coming back and playing for the Patriots. I don't have to thank you for 20 years. It's just, we've been it, in it together, and we'll continue to be in it together. And I'm back, and I want to be your quarterback. Deep down, he might be thinking... I don't know if they're going to buy this stuff, but you know, let me throw it out there. Giselle, how do you think I look in uh, Charger powder blue? Oh, Tommy, you look beautiful. Yes, yes. Okay. Can you imagine the Boston reaction if Jimmy Garoppolo in four weeks is a Super Bowl champion? Ooh. I mean, it, it's a possibility. Not a likelihood, but it's a possibility. I still would have made that decision. I just would have gotten more for Jimmy Garoppolo. That, and, and if you're going to send him, you send him to the NFC, um, and Belichick, it felt like, was almost going to hold his hand and, and lead him out to San Francisco. They were going to do a road trip where he's going to drive him out to San Francisco. But you put him far, far away. And, you know, Brady took you to this, a couple of – you won a couple of Super Bowls with him after that. And, and do I think that, you know, it probably came, hey, it's either him or me. And Robert Kraft made the ultimate decision to keep Tom – and Belichick then made sure that Jimmy Garoppolo got traded to somebody that he trusted in Kyle Shanahan. All right, we'll take a break here. Uh, we talked about the Brady new, and there's a few things to talk about here. Uh, I got a, a couple of great stats of the day that even surprised me. 
19 after the hour, this is the Dan Patrick Show. The holidays are over, and it's a brand new year. If you're thinking about the high-interest credit cards you used over the holidays and the bills that will be coming, here's an idea to ease your mind. Pay off your credit card balances and save with a credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream. Lightstream's credit card consolidation loans have rates as low as 5.95% APR with auto pay, much lower than the national average interest rate, which is over 20% APR. Plus, there are absolutely no fees, no application fees, no origination fees, no transaction fees, no prepayment penalties. Just for my listeners, you can apply now and get a special interest rate discount. The only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash Dan Patrick. That's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash Dan Patrick, D-A-N-P-A-T-R-I-C-K. It's a new year. It's time you get organized. You got to check out Lightstream. Subject to credit approval, rates include 0.50% auto pay discount. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash Dan Patrick for more information. Five-hour energy helps you get through your crazy on-the-go life. And now it comes in two great tropical flavors, strawberry banana and tropical burst. They're delicious and can transport you to a tropical paradise. Try them both, then vote for your favorite at 5hewin.com. You could be on the go to someplace you actually want to go. Offer ends 731.20. Terms apply. See www.5hewin.com for details. Oh, McLovin, he's smiling. What, do you have proof now of tackles being overrated in the the NFL? The numbers worked out. Okay. I gave you the top five tacklers and their team defensive rank. Okay. And uh, just run down it real quick. Yeah, yeah. Bobby Wagner, number one. He's a a great linebacker. But the Seahawks ranked 26 this year in defense. Their defense really fell off, and they were on the field all the time. Well, imagine if he didn't make all those tackles. I know. (laughs) 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 Zoom! Gotcha. Yeah, Paul. If you're high up on the list of tackles in the NFL, does that mean you're a very good player on an average defense almost by default? Well, because you're doing all the work. Three and four are both Arizona Cardinals, and they have the worst defense in the league. The reason is the Cardinals play a high tempo, so there's a lot of plays, and your defense out there all the time, you're going to get a million tackles. Okay. All right. But yeah. Bobby Wagner is probably going to the Hall of Fame. But we never know at the end of the year who leads the league no, in tackles. That's but, not a stat we ever talk about. But right? Luke Keekley is on that list. Hall of Famer. And he's a Hall of Famer. So, all right. Yeah, they're good. No, they're definitely good. What it might be a better stat is what percentage of your team's tackles did you have? Speaking of tackles, you know, Hall of Fame, we have the finalists. Do we have the 15 names for the Hall of Fame? Oh, I saw that recently. Yeah, it just came out, right? Do you have that? Can you find that? Because, you know, I always champion the offensive linemen. And, you know, there's a name that I, there's a couple of names that I bring up, and I think both are on the final 15. If you can check that for me, McLovin. Todd, do you have it? Looking at it right now, I see Troy Palomalu, Reggie Wayne, John Lynch, Steve Atwater, Baselli, Isaac Bruce, Leroy Butler, Tori Holt, Steve Hutchinson, Alan Fanica, Edrin James, mm. Sam Mills, Richard Seymour, Zach Thomas, Bryant Young. Because, man, you got a couple of uh, linemen on there. You know, Fanica might get in there before. You know, Tony Baselli has been nominated. And, and um, you know, I just know the eye test. When I saw Baselli play, he was special. Jimbo Covert, to me, with the Chicago Bears, was special. Uh, just different. Athletic. You know, not big plotting linemen. Steve Hutchinson, he was great, too. But 
I always try to champion the offensive lineman because, you know, you're trying to figure out, like, what, what stats do you have? You know, how many sacks did you give up or how many holding penalties did you have? That's, that's about it. Or how many thousand-yard rushers did you have behind you? But uh, Jimbo Covert, uh, Tony Baselli, uh, I hope they get that opportunity. Yeah, Paul. Torrey Holt, wide receiver. Isaac Bruce, wide receiver, mostly with the Rams with their heydays. Yeah. They might cancel each other out. I don't know. You almost wish that that Rams team could go in as a group, like a band. Like, it's a Hall of Fame. If you could almost do a display on the greatest, one of the great offensive teams of all time and put the entire Rams offense in as some type of group award. I know they don't do that, but it feels like a slight not to have them in there. Sometimes. Have they changed the process, McLovin, with the Hall of Fame? Well, isn't there some like w- big class this year that everyone's going to get in? Remember we said t- Tagliabue's going to get in this year because of some extra class? I'll find out. Yeah, like more guys who miss it the first time around get a shot. I don't know why. No, the process of telling you how you got in the Hall of Fame. Oh, is that's changed? I thought it was I'd a admit, knock on the door from that big guy who runs a Hall of Fame. But, but why? So they have everybody in a room, I believe. And that, I, I just think it's unfair. It's painful that you go, they knock on the door and then they say, you're in and you're in and you're in and you're in and the rest of you aren't. Like, why does it have to be almost humiliating if you don't make it in the Hall of I, I, I can't imagine what that would be like. If you don't get the call, you don't get a knock on the door, and you're just sitting there, and then all of a sudden you disperse. And everybody's like, oh. and then they walk right out, right onto the stage, I think, the NFL Network, and Rich Eisen interviews them. Yeah, Paul. The Hall of Fame board recently passed a resolution that suspended the Hall of Fame's selection committee bylaws for the class of 22, 20, 2020, just this summer. The measure is intended to honor the NFL's centennial celebration through a special centennial class They'll be comprised of 20 members in 2020, uh, five modern era players and 10 senior players, three contributors and two coaches. It's like they're going to do a one-time correction this summer. So this is going to be the biggest class by far in history. There will be 20 people this summer, mandatory. Yes, Todd. Our friend Rich Eisen oh, is good. listening in as he always is and uh, wanted to help us out with this. Uh, Rich, thanks for joining us. Are they still doing that painful process of how they inform these guys that they're in or not? Well, what, what the, it used to be was totally unorganized, where players, they knew they were finalists, but they didn't have a place to be. Like, literally, the year Warren Moon was getting in, he would be driving around the circumference of the city that, that of the Super Bowl that he knew he had a shot to get in. And he told me that he was either going to head to the uh, convention center where he heard his name called or head to the airport. So now they have like a luncheon for finalists and they sit in a hotel room with their loved ones and wait for a knock on the door that either comes or it doesn't. God, that might be worse, Rich. I don't know. I'm telling you, some guys wouldn't even like Harry Carson uh, didn't make it so many times. You remember he told them to take him out of consideration. The year he got in, he said, screw it. I'm not even going to be at the Super Bowl. I'm flying to Hawaii. He landed at baggage claim, turned on his phone, is like, you have 90 <laughs> messages. And he turned around and went back, and he's in the Hall of Fame. Now he's actually, I told him last year, he, he didn't realize he's now been in the Hall of Fame longer than he had to wait. You know, but, but this year, because it's a class of 2020, they're going to have a, a special group, uh, a blue-ribbon panel of experts vote on 
people that aren't in the, the class that you just mentioned, the group that you just mentioned, the normal, if you will, conventional group, where they're going to, I don't know the exact number, like eight, um, you know, veterans committee people and three coaches, two contributors. I might be screwing up the numbers, but it's going to create a class of 20 for 2020. And I just don't know, personally, this is more personal in a way than pro- or professional and personal together. I don't know if there's going to be 20 speeches on one weekend, like speech of. We just cut off Rich's speech. Maybe he was making a point about brevity at the at the Hall of Fame. God, I couldn't imagine if he had 20 speeches. Because I remember watching last... Where was I? I, I think I was, at a, um, I was at a Hootie and the Blowfish concert. Concert started, and I came back, and the speeches were still going on. And... I think they'd only done like two speeches. It was, it was a, a ninety minute concert. I came back and you'd had like two of them that uh, they'd they'd finished up. I got to give you f- like five minutes, seven minutes, eight minutes. Uh, Rich Eisen is back with us, uh, and as you were saying, Rich, I don't, know. I don't know where I lost you, but they're, they 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 don't. I, I think they might have like two different induction ceremonies this weekend. One that's the conventional one, and the one that for the other class that's going to make it a, a bigger class for 2020. Is there... That's what's all going on. It, are they told how long they can go? You know, are they, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But nobody they, listens. They used to, that's correct. That is absolutely <laughs> it used to be. It used to be the worst speeches when you're sitting there, you'd hold your breath, is when somebody goes up, goes up there and says, I have no notes. That was always the worst one. Now, now it's all written. It's all in a prompter, and it goes on absolutely forever. They used to, they used to, you know, the the as you remember, they they used to have the presenters give speeches too. Oh, I know. But that that ended the year where Steve Young's dad Grit got up <laughs> and wound up speaking longer than Steve did because he had a Jordan-esque list of all the people who slighted his son throughout his life and went right down one by one. And then later on, after they said that there, you need to type up your, your speeches um, and speak, uh, if you're a presenter, Ted Cottrell went on forever one year introducing Bruce Smith, but the worst one for me was that was the year I was the actual MC of the event because yeah. Berman introduced Ralph Wilson and they said you can't MC and be a presenter. So I MC the event, and that's when Bullet Bob Hayes went in, um, and that's also when uh, Derek Thomas went in, and the rule was the presenter could only speak for five minutes because they were, you know, introducing somebody who was deceased. So Bullet Bob Hayes was introduced by Roger Staubach. The Navy man went five minutes on the dot. And then uh, Carl Peterson, the longtime GM of Kansas City, introduced Derek Thomas with a corker of a 20-minute speech that went on so long, I was able to get up from the stage to go backstage to ask uh, the hall what I should do. At which point, as I heel turned to go back on the stage, I found Roger Staubach staring me down, saying, Hey, Rich, I thought you are supposed to only speak for five minutes, and he's going on for four <laughs> times as long. 
At which point, I thought to myself, the six-year-old who watched Dallas Cowboys football games in my Staten Island basement is flipping out that Roger saw that talking to me. And my and my current self was like, oh, my God, Roger Staubach is bitching me out. What do I say to this? So that's the history of the speeches. All right. Hey, thanks for calling in. All right, DP. All right. That's Rich Eisen. Rich Eisen Show. Follows this uh, show on uh, DirecTV Audience Network, Channel 239. Solid appearance. Two appearances there for Rich. That counts as two when his phone went bad. Two bookings there for Fritzy. <laughs> well done, Todd. Thank you very much. Well done. Uh, DK Metcalf of the Seahawks will be joining us coming up next hour. And we will not take off our shirts as a tribute to DK Metcalf. Would you ever wear a shirt if you, if you didn't have to if you're DK Metcalf? And where do you buy shirts? Because he can't get those off the rack. Yeah, Paul. You may know this, Dan. I have two brother, brothers-in-law, brother-in-laws. The guy you, you, that you call meatheads. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> these two guys are both bi- bi- built like Brad Pitt in Fight Club. And they're like 43, 45 years old, and they're still completely jacked. They, they never wear sleeves. They will wear like a t-shirt with a like a puffy vest, and I'm not kidding. We were in uh, we were in the city a couple weeks ago for a family event. It was 30 degrees, and the guy wore a t-shirt with one of those puffy vests so he could still show off his arms. God, but I mean, never sleeves. I guess if I had it, I'd flaunt it. Why else do all the work? Yeah, especially if you're not playing sports and you're just a random guy. Yeah, but DK Metcalf, that that's pretty impressive. Yeah, Paul. Does he wear sleeves in the 30-degree weather in Lambeau Field? I'm going to ask him. That's the first question. Are you wearing sleeves in Lambeau? Yes, he. You remember Reggie Bush at the Combine? And he came out. He had full oh, yeah, sleeves yeah. on. He had that white shirt on and full sleeves. Yeah. It was like skin tight. Yeah. And he was shredded. Yeah. He was absolutely jacked. He, he was so shredded he could even just make sleeves look like. <laughs> yeah, doesn't matter. Shredded wheat. If I had abs, though... Then I'd probably do my best. I'd, I'd have a like a Zeke Elliott belly, belly shirt. shirt. Yeah. <laughs> I miss the belly shirt. A strong move. Yeah, it is. All right, here was a stat that I was surprised at. Of the eight teams to reach the divisional round of the playoffs this year, how many made it to the d- divisional round last year? Do, 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 do. One, the Chiefs. Stat of the day, stat of the day, tap, tap, stat of the day, stat of the day. Here comes that what? Stat of the day. Top. Last year, divisional round, Chiefs, Patriots, Chargers, Colts, Saints, Rams, Eagles, Cowboys. This year, Ravens, Chiefs, Texans, Titans, Niners, Packers, Seahawks, and the Vikings. This is the first time that there's ever been fewer than two teams repeating in the NFL's final eight from one year to the next. Found that interesting. Uh, we were watching Jeopardy last night. I wasn't planning on watching Jeopardy. This was the uh, GOAT tournament, the greatest of all time. Uh, and Ken Jennings, uh, he won like 74 consecutive games. Brad Rutter, I think, was the other guy. And James Holzhauer who joined us earlier or last year. Uh, and, you know, they went toe-to-toe, and uh, Ken Jennings ended up winning there uh, last night. But what was amazing is I think they missed one question the entire – it was an hour long. There were two games of Jeopardy, and then they combined your winnings there. They missed a total of one question there. 
And the ability for these guys to just have that much data in their heads. And, and it's not like, I think you have to study. I think it has to be an accumulation of, it, it's really the lifestyle that they've led. Because Ken Jennings, you know, he lived on an army base. And so he, was, he got to see one show on the Armed Forces Network, and it was Jeopardy. And he would read the Guinness Book of Records. He had nothing to do. He's all by himself on a military base. And he, I used to do this with uh, sports books at night. Now, this is why I, I got the test scores that I got, and my grade point average was what it was. But I could tell you the 1959 Chicago White Sox starting lineup. And I have no idea why I wanted to know these things. But I would memorize lineups. I wanted to know as much trivia as possible. Figuring one day it was going to help me. Like, can you name the 69 Mets? Yeah. Can you name the 1927 New York Yankees? Yes. I never knew if it was going to matter. But I thought one day it might be relevant. Um, and this is before Trivial Pursuit and all of those things. But these guys, can you imagine these guys at Trivial Pursuit? Like, let's say, let's say you have a casual couple's dinner, like a, a game night. <laughs> Ken Jennings comes rolling yeah, in. And, and all of a sudden you're going to go, hey, how about some Trivial Pursuit? And all of a sudden he's going, uh, what is Mesopotamia? <laughs> uh, you don't have to do the what is, just say Mesopotamia. But... Uh, you know, these guys, they just, you start reading, and it's stuff that you don't think you ever use, but they, it certainly came in handy, made these guys millionaires. Yeah, Paul. You hosted Sports Jeopardy. Do you think your peak of quickness and knowledge would have been about age 15? Because that's all you ta- thought about was sports, and you just consumed it all the time? I'd say mid-20s. Yeah. Because there was a point where I was so obsessed with trivia that we went to parties and one in particular in New York City, and I wouldn't let anybody leave, the guys leave until they stumped me. And and if if you didn't stump me, you went in the back of the line. And somehow I, I, I allowed this to happen, or these guys agreed to do this. But what a jerk. Like, it's like midnight, and I'm going, all right, you guys got to stump, because I didn't want anybody to leave. And I go, you got to stump me with a trivia question, sports trivia, before you leave. Did you so- challenge them to a push-up contest next? Or? <laughs> Oh, and my, and what was the party theme? How to never meet women? I, <laughs> and my wife, who was, I think my girlfriend at the time, she's like, oh, you're really upsetting you know, Pam. Pam was the host. You're, you're really upsetting Pam. You know, you got to let these people go. And then I go, you know, all right, if one person stumps me with a trivia question, then everybody gets to leave. Like, I, what a loser I was. Am. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Did you have a good time last night? Yes. You know, I stumped everybody with the you know, trivia question. I proved I know more sports than anyone yeah. at the party I was at. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> what a loser. At least you had a girlfriend, man. I mean, the odds of you having a girlfriend with that behavior? I thought I might have lost her that night, though, because I think she thought, oh, what am I getting myself into? Certainly a red flag. <laughs> yes. It, yeah, yeah. And it, uh, it continued. Because she'll always say, how many of your wives say this to you? When I say, hey, I'm going to go get beers with uh, Jeff and Tom and, and uh, Jeff. And she says, play nice. Every single time when I leave the house, she tells me to play nice. Does your does Aaron do that to you? Oh, my God, dude. Yeah. She's like, okay, now just. <laughs> <laughs> but 
Play nice. Yeah, be nice. I know. <laughs> yes, Todd. I get the I become increasingly more sarcastic and uh, just making wise cracks. I don't know if that's the environment I've been in over the past several years because we have fun doing that. But she, uh, if she had to point out one thing, she would say that I'm getting a little too uh, cute and free with like comments and little remarks. Like Play that. nice. Play nice. Guess who says that they wanted to stay at Duke before going to the NBA? Have that for you after the break. Everybody's got a to-do list. I get one from my wife. Drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk, figure out something to get out of the house so I can relax. Here's an idea. Let's add save hundreds of dollars on car insurance. The good thing, you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to geico.com and in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. Do you like extra money in your pocket? Do you like not having to drive somewhere to pick something up? This is the way to do it. It just may be the most rewarding thing on your to-do list today. That's geico.com. Hey, listeners, just wanted to take a minute to thank all our great sponsors and all of you great listeners for supporting this podcast. We certainly couldn't do it without either of you. And I wanted to remind you that you can support our sponsors by going to our show page at podcastone.com, clicking on the support this podcast button, and there you will see all our wonderful sponsors that help make this show possible. Thank you for downloading, subscribing, and of course, supporting. And now back to the show. Five-hour energy helps you get through your crazy on-the-go life. And now it comes in two great tropical flavors, strawberry banana and tropical burst. They're delicious and can transport you to a tropical paradise. Try them both, then vote for your favorite at 5hewin.com. You could be on the go to someplace you actually want to go. Offer ends 731.20. Terms apply. See www.5hewin.com for details. Watch a little bit of the Lakers and the Knicks last night. Mostly the Lakers. And uh, Anthony Davis, a scary fall there. Missed a couple of games. Bruce Tailbone. Are the Mavs and the Nuggets tonight, I believe? Does that sound right? My Nuggets against the Mavs? That'll be entertaining. You know, cause the, the Nuggets are right there where they were last year. Everybody's talked about the Lakers and the Clippers. And the Nuggets. And, you know, Michael Porter Jr., has remember the, that was the uh, kid at Missouri he had the bad back and and you know came out of high school and was one of the top recruits coming out of high school might have been the number one recruit went to Missouri and we never really got to see much of him because he injured his back and the Nuggets took a chance on him I think they took him like 13th in the first first round and he started to supply some uh, offense here and the Nuggets are back where they were now you might not look at them as a team that can close out the Lakers or Clippers and, you know, win four games. But they're, they're, they're a talented team, uh, very talented, and uh, feels like they're a little better this year. Yeah, McLevin. I mean, if you're looking for a guy who could put up huge regular season numbers and bow out early in the playoff, Joker's your perennial wow. MVP. Wow. <laughs> I mean, people rip and be, but Joker's done nothing in the playoffs, and he's just a regular season machine. I'm sorry, he's... People are mean to my guy, Joel Embiid. Okay, but why are you being mean to him because people are being mean to Joel Embiid? Aren't they similar? Not really, because nobody pays attention to the Nuggets' shortcomings. Because they're great, like you said, they're they're 25 and 10. They should be like a real title contender, but he can't get over that hump. Okay, how many times has he been in the playoffs? (laughs) Maybe once. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe twice. How many times has Embiid been in the playoffs? Like once or twice. Twice, okay. Yeah. All right. How about we wait... 
How about we get a larger sample size there? That, this is sports in 2020. Wait, exactly. Wait, crazy? I, that's why I'm a dinosaur in this business. I add logic occasionally. Golden Road Brewing. I, have, I uh, add Golden Road Brewing occasionally to my diet. Golden Road Brewing. Uh, you're going to love this beer. Wolf Puff Session IPA. And a mango cart inspired by the iconic fruit cart vendors of Los Angeles. Crisp, refreshing, light wheat ale bursting with lots of fresh mango. Wolf Pup Session IPA. If you can get it on tap, dive in. Available in all 50 states. California-inspired Golden Road Brewing Fresh Craft Beer since 2011. All right. I teased you, as we like to say in the business, which uh, Duke player said he wanted to stay at Duke. Um, he's Zion Williamson. He had this to say on J.J. Reddick's podcast. It was like the deadline. I think at the deadline when you had to declare, you, you had to say, all right, what are you going to do, declare or not? Me, I wanted to go back. Nobody ever believes me. They think I'm just saying that, but no. I genuinely wanted to go back. I, I felt like the NBA wasn't going anywhere. Um, you know, the money thing, that's money. Like I don't play this for money. I play because I genuinely love the game. I just loved my experience at Duke that much where I wanted to stay. He also talked about why he wanted to go to the NBA. But it was one of those situations where Coach K is not going to let me come back, you know, because he wants me to do what's best for the family. You know, my teammates are, you know, saying, man, that would be dope if you come back. But same time, you know, they're telling me I would be leaving too much. You know, I did work this long to get to that. It was tough. Um, at the end of the day, I think it was kind of my mom. You know, she said, She's going to support whatever I do. So I was like, all right, I'm going back. And then, you know, I think her and my stepdad talked about it. And they were like, you know, you work too hard to get to this moment. You'd feel bad if you left it. So I said, I did work for this since I was like four and five. So let me go. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. That's uh, J.J. Reddick's podcast. And I can understand it. You're, you're with a great coach. You know, the fact that Coach K wouldn't let him come back. But it was time for him to go. Like, you want to continue to improve as a player, and he had proven everything, unless you say, well, he wanted to win a national title. There were no guarantees, because even with that team, you didn't win a national title. Now we'll wait and see Zion Williamson as a professional, whether it happens this year or next. DK Metcalf of the Seahawks will join us coming up, final hour. There are things that should not be copycat killers. They exist. Those who are compelled to turn bloody fiction into a real-life horror story. He was inspired by the Joker. They do it because the acts give them power and control. The license to kill. Life imitates art. And unfortunately, so does death. Reels and Podcast One, who brought you Murder Made Me Famous, comes the next great true crime podcast, Copycat Killers. Join host Dr. J. Buzz Von Ornsteiner as he analyzes true crimes based on Hollywood hits. New episodes every Tuesday on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Five-hour energy helps you get through your crazy on-the-go life. And now it comes in two great tropical flavors, strawberry banana and tropical burst. They're delicious and can transport you to a tropical paradise. Try them both, then vote for your favorite at 5hewin.com. You could be on the go to someplace you actually want to go. Offer ends 73120. Terms apply. See www.5hewin.com for details.